Hello. Hi. You look really serious tonight, which makes me really nervous. Anyways, um, it's really cool just hearing stories and how Andrew started off tonight with that just awareness of the power of both God's story and our stories. So I don't even know whether I'm going to do what Tim wanted me to do, but he's out the room, so don't tell him if I didn't. Is that okay? Just between you and me, I'm not quite sure whether I got right what he wanted. I asked him twice, and after that, I thought he's going to think I'm dim, so I'll just pretend I understand. You ever get that feeling? You just don't ask again, because they're going to think you're really dim. Anyways, so, um, yeah, and also, I'm going to watch the clock so you get home by 9 o'clock tonight. Is that okay? You look terrified. <laughs> Help me, Holy Spirit. So, um, I've been, I've been following, trying to follow Jesus for 45 years, which most of your parents weren't even born then, so I, I've just got to respect that. Uh, but it's a long time, 45 years of trying to follow Jesus. And as you get along the journey, you start to look back and reflect more what your story really is. Um, and I'm also convinced that being vulnerable is the key to being really authentic. I hate religion because it puts a front up. I love the vulnerableness of New Testament friendship that really brings us very close to each other, which is what I want to talk a bit about. And uh, after 45 years, I look back and I think, I had two things going on in my story I want to just make really clear, uh, especially the first 25 to 30 years, two things were happening. One, I could look at that uh, men's thing and think, I had a whale of an adventure going on following Jesus. It was such an adventure. So many good stuff happened. Just, uh, we really did it. Uh, my wife, myself, and our kids, and on and on. It was a wonderful run for 25 to 30 years in many ways because I love life. I love adventure. I love the deal of being given life. And I really loved the call he put upon our lives and what we were doing. But looking back on it, I'm aware there was another level going on in my heart that was different to that level. How many of you know you've got a heart? Yep, and it feels. And down here, what I might call the core narrative of my life was very different to this level. The core narrative of my inner story of my heart was a bit different, not in a, I wasn't putting on a front, it's just there were two levels. And in that core narrative, I have to say there were some profound inadequacies, real feelings of inferiority, which none of you look like you've ever suffered before, so I'm going to go out on a limb here, and some fear of rejection that ran like an inner stream deep down here while thoroughly enjoying the life God had given me up here. There were two things going on. And it wasn't deliberate. Do you understand? It was just like that was the reality. Some real insecurities, some real inadequacies, and some real fear of either being rejected or, how can I put this, not being included. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up because you really look so pure and sanctified. I, I can't believe anybody's suffered that, but I did. And, and <laughs> say something like, yeah, me too. No, okay, don't worry. So, <laughs> so that underlying stream bothered me because it gave me so much pain while enjoying the grace of God. Um, if you've ever suffered a fear of rejection, it's very painful because it affects all your relationships. 
And I'm not being, by the way, I'm not being introspective. I'm just talking about the reality. That's real. It went on in that stream. And sometimes it would go away and I'd just think, oh, life's all hunky-dory. Jesus is great. And then I'd have a real bumpy patch and all that stuff would float up to the surface a bit. And I'd feel very insecure again. Very kind of relationships were all dependent on, do you like me? And am I doing all right? And what do you think? And all that kind of stuff that can go on. And I have to say that sort of, that bit of a war really between the two uh, went on and on until certain things happened and maybe after 25 years that was so stormy that I realized I had to let Jesus get into that stream and begin to heal my heart properly from the pain of that stream. If I told you nothing else tonight, my story would be, he has done it really profoundly. It's been a bit of a battle. But I tell you what, when you realize the peace that can come where there's been great pain, you ain't half happy about the way he works. Because when the two marry up, it means you no longer got that inner battle deep down while things can be getting quite well on the surface. So I've chosen Jonathan. I didn't know who to choose. And I thought, well, Lord, help me. Um, and I've chosen Jonathan. I'm not going to be long over it because you, you've listened a lot tonight. But I, he's had a big impact upon me. There were so many people I could have chosen. But how many of you have read the story of Jonathan ever? Yeah, you all have. Because you just, just put your hand up anyway and pretend. Because we're, it, but, you know, he is a stunning um, character in the Old Testament that's always fascinated me. For so many reasons, I haven't got time to go into it. He just fascinates me. And if you want a story to read, uh, part of God's story, just unpack Jonathan. We're introduced to Jonathan, who is King Saul's son in 1 Samuel. We're introduced to him, I think it's chapter 13, 14. We're not going to go there tonight. But let me tell me how we're introduced to him. How many of you can remember how we're introduced? See, I've read it beforehand, so I've got this kind of up on you. So, so we're introduced to him as a... A kind of amazing, courageous warrior. I mean, just amazing. Israel, God's army, under Saul, bad king, is in the doldrums. And Jonathan's got this kind of, come on, let's go and do damage to the enemy. And he breaks ranks and he, he's just fabulous. And he breaks ranks with his armor bearer. And he goes up, let's attack the Philistine outpost and let's see what God will do. Maybe he'll do something. Which is cool because he was such a warrior, such a courageous, faith-filled that, of course, they all fall down in front of him. I don't know whether it's the power of God or just his sword. But anyways, it's a great story. That's how we're introduced. I want you to remember that he was a warrior with fabulous courage and faith. But the bit I wanted to take you back to was when he meets David. So fast forward real quick. If you can imagine the story, King Saul, the king of God's people, is rotten in that inner stream of his life because he's deeply insecure. Terrible story. You know, those stories have profoundly affected my journey. And he is so rotten, he's getting more and more jealous and insecure of David, okay? David's in his court, playing the harp, keeping the demons down. Just a, you know, a lovely guy serving King Saul. David has already been anointed as the new king, okay? Nobody knows that, by Samuel. That's the story, Okay. Does that sound complicated? Just nod your head and say, I'm still with you. It's better than whatever's on TV tonight. Trust me when you get home. Okay, here we go. So we get into, can we get that chapter up uh, 18, please, Mark, where we just read just now. Now, just, just look at this for a minute, because this is what I want to illustrate affected me. Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Now, what does that mean? 
What does it mean to become one in spirit with somebody? How close is that? One in spirit? Pretty close, isn't it? And he loved him as he loved himself. What does that mean? Is that narcissistic? Is it, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. Is it that? Can I be really clear with you? Until you discover the profound way God as a father loves you, which has taken me a journey. Which I stop kicking this. Until you discover the profound way he loves you and likes you, and therefore you love yourself in that way, relationships are always affected by your insecurities. I've been there. Where you're often looking for a relation to see what you can get out of it to help you be satisfied rather than the loving for the sake of the relationship. You're always looking for something out of it rather than coming from a place of being loved into the relationship. So I love Jonathan because I think, man, he's not only a warrior, but he seems to have this profound love for David where it is so, he is so secure. I cannot imagine why Jonathan's so secure. He's just so secure. Beautiful. How many of you would like to be like that? You know, like, just so, so loved and so loving himself. Why does Jesus say you love your neighbor as you... What's that about? It means you truly have got a figure. Am I that liked by God that I could enjoy being me, at rest in who he made me, and so able to have relationships that are profound in the dear love I have for others? My journey was so insecure, it's taken me ages to get to the place where I realize he really, really likes me. Does that matter? Is that me, me, me? No, that's a different kind of me, me. This is coming to a place of knowing what he thinks about me to the degree where I'm now so happy in my own skin that I can engage in relationships without trying to get something out of them all I want to do is give in to them. Is this making sense? You look quite kind of... Hmm. Okay, all right, let's carry on. And Jonathan, verse 3, made a covenant with David because he loved him, says it twice, as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Crumbs. Look at me. Here he is, David, David, Jonathan, Okay. This profound knitting together of friendship is so close, so profoundly close. Jonathan starts to take his natural armor off, his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, or whatever else, his belt. What's he doing? He's removing all his armor and defenses to make himself available for a profound friendship. That if you track through 1 Samuel, it's just amazing. He's taking all his armor off. What does that tell me? You know, for years in that first 25 years of my life, and even onwardly, it doesn't happen in a day, I had a certain kind of armor which I kept on because I couldn't bear the thought of being discovered by others fully for who I am. Guess what? In case they rejected me when they found who I really was. How many of you know we can keep up a kind of a presentation, fit for whatever circle we're in? It's church. It's work. It's this. Here I am presenting. And, and that, you know, you have to do that to some degree. But you know what I'm trying to say is in the kingdom of heaven, it should be very, very different where we can take all our armor off and be available for true friendship because we're not so afraid of being found in case we're rejected. Hmm. So for my journey, 
I think it, uh, I don't know what that friendship was like. Do you know what I've heard somebody talk about it being unwhole and homosexual? That's utter rubbish. That relationship between David and Saul is one of the profoundest prophetic signals of the true friendship God so longs as people to have in the kingdom of God. Somebody prayed over me early on, which I can't remember what Judy said, Judy said or phrase. She said something about relationship before destiny. Do you know what? God loves friendship to abound in his kingdom of a profound kind that's different. Anything this world can get because we're allowed to take our defenses down, our armor off and say, this is really me because I know he likes me as I am because he created me in his image. So I'm jolly well going to be comfortable with my skin, available for friendships that are so profound and so loyal, they become strong parts of who we really are on earth. How many of you would like more of that? I just like I might just like a little bit more of that. I'm not sure. I really would because I think it's an amazing gift from a father to his children. But I've had to take. So for me, in my journey, I'm going to be telling you my story, but I get to preach. In my story, I realized shame. If you understand the power of shame, had wrapped itself so around my inner core. I don't know, core bit of my journey had so wrapped itself around me, I didn't dare take all my armor off. It just felt so vulnerable to say, this is really me in case you exclude me from now on because you don't like what you find. But yet I long for true friendships. I long for it to be real and solid without the insecurities inside. I long to be able to, are you allowed to be really free to be who you are? And so it, it, it began a journey for me, which is why I'm trying to do my story. Around about th- uh, 30 years into my journey, it began a, a really big deal of God, uh, of just saying, God, you have to remove the shame off my heart that gets in the way so much of what I'm really longing to have in terms of relationship. Shame is a pig. It's a pig of a pain because it just whispers to you, Alison, did you say, somebody said it earlier on, like, something's really wrong with me. Who is it who said that? Did you say that? You did, Peter. Okay, Peter. Something's really wrong with me. You know what? I better keep the armor up. I better keep the fig leaves up. I better keep some sort of pretense up. Something's wrong with me, and it's so painful if I'm found out, I'll keep the pretense up. Jesus wants to take the shame away. He's the shame remover. He never shamed a single human being ever on earth. He never put shame on people. He took the shame off all the time. And so my journey was, I've got to get the shame off my heart so that I can actually enjoy being me for crying out loud before it's too late. Because you can get very developed in keeping up your defenses, can't you? You can get very developed. This is how I present. Even in church. Church should be a shame-free zone, I want to suggest, shouldn't it? If anywhere there should be no shame, it should be amongst God's gang. But for me, my journey, my story was, oh, Jesus, you've got to deal deep down with that core narrative, my deep inner story. Please come and take the shame away. So I'm free of that inner wrestle and pain. Do you know you can be very successful? Or I'll use a spirit, very anointed, very gifted, very called, and have an inner core pain of still feeling not included. 
You can. Because success and gift and calling and ministry aren't a sign that's all well in your heart level, your heart journey, are they? We've all figured that. I hope we have. So my story, I'm looking at the clock, my story uh, really inspired by Jonathan. I wish I could tell you a bit more, but let me just tell you two further things about him. But let me just say this really clearly, that the cross of Jesus Christ is where my shame was taken. That's where it all went, was on the cross. This isn't a feelings issue. This is a profound, how can I put it, a claiming back from the cross for myself, the freedom from shame, because Jesus became my shame on the cross. I bet, if you're allowed to bet in the kingdom of heaven, I bet somewhere amongst us in the room will be shadows of shame that always keep you smaller than God really made you to be. Always keep you slightly afraid of too close relationships in case people find out who you really are and then they don't want you. So we should jolly well pray shame off us all tonight, shouldn't we? I think so. I'm just going out on my edge here, okay? So could we, have a, could we have the last scripture up? Is this making sense to you? You've got to keep nodding because obviously I'm... You know, can we, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, could we get... The, sorry, just before then, Mark. I know I'm jumping about. Yeah, look at this. I wish I could tell you more, but listen. King Saul gets worse. He just gets crazy, jealous, insecure. <laughs> can I make a suggestion to you, please? I learned... So I suffered because of how my early childhood was. I really suffered the shame result. The thing that fascinated about Jonathan is, how could he, with such a profoundly insecure, angry, jealous, wild father, (laughs) turn out to be such a beautiful, whole, free son? How could that happen? I would have thought Jonathan would have himself been deeply insecure, angry, jealous, because that's how his father was. Let me say it. I honestly believe the powerful work of Jesus is to redeem us from our history, give us back our identity, teach us how liked and loved you are by him, so that your history never defines who you really are, and you get robbed of profound friendships in the kingdom. I think it's fair to say, and you know, I have to ask my wife, who's not here tonight, not because we had a row, it's okay. She's just, we've just been busy, okay? I think now we, my wife and I, have the best set of friends I've ever experienced in all my journey. You have to understand what that's like when you've had pretenses for a time. I think, including here in this community, we have some friendships that I can't tell you the sense of, oh, I can just be myself. It's okay. I can just... I can just be myself, and it's okay. I don't have to pretend, and we're all busy doing the work of the kingdom. I don't have to pretend. Relationship is more important than destiny. Can you hear that? Because there's all sorts of other sounds around about what's important. I want to say to you, I believe the Jonathan David mix is a profound prophetic pointer of how God would love things to be amongst his people. Look at this. Can I just finish off? Can you give me three more minutes? If you, if you do it like that, I'll just stop, okay? The trouble is, I'll... No. Okay. Look at this. I wish I could tell you more, but okay. While David was at Horish in the desert, as if he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. What do you think? Saul is a maniac with demons gone loose. Okay? 
And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him to find strength in God. Can I ask you, what was Saul's apparent destiny? What should he have been? He's Saul's son. What should he have been? King, king. He should have been the next king. Shouldn't he? He should have been the next king. He's Saul's son. It's called, you know, whatever it is, lineage. So Jonathan should have been thinking, I'm next to the throne. It's my throne. I want to be king. I like being king. Be great to be king. Move aside, dad. It's my turn to be king. I mean, poor old Prince Charles. Anyway, that's another story. Let's go on. So, so listen, this is a really big deal. Jonathan should have been hankering for the throne because when you're not healed or loved enough, you always hanker for the throne. The number one spot. The place of seenness. Okay? Can you imagine it? This is Israel, God's land, God's people. Look what he says. Don't be afraid, he said. My father, oh no, that's the wrong bit. Yes, my father will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. What does it say? Say it again. Say it louder. How could he say that? He's surely hankering for the throne. Surely. What was going on in Jonathan that he comes to David and says, David, I'm here to strengthen you against my wild, crazy, demonized father. And guess what, David? You're going to be king, and I'm going to be second. Say second. That's really spoken to me because sometimes I've wanted to be first. I know none of you do. I'm just trying to be honest, okay? I've sometimes wanted to be first. Why? Because I'm not healed enough and I'm still looking for significance in function when really my father wanted me to get it. I like you as you are, actually. Will you just stay in your track? You don't need to be jealous about another track because your track is the very best track for you and I love you as you are. And sometimes, I know none of you have again, I've had a strange temptation. I want to be more seen. I want to somehow kind of, do you get me? Do you see my significance? And it's like the Lord says, I want you to be more secure than that. I'm stunned by Jonathan's security that he would just say to David, David, you know what? You're going to be king and I'm going to be second. All I want, let the loyal friendship between us never, ever be broken because that's more precious to me than the throne that's why I love David this profound security in him that values relationship loyal friendship above calling and destiny although I believe in that and I want to pray because I feel like that's the foundation of the kingdom is loyal friendships where there's a profound sense of the armor you leave your armor at the door when you come in with your friends, don't you? You leave your arm. Now, sometimes we need armor. Please don't misunderstand me. Sometimes we need to, do, you know, we protect ourselves. I get that. But there are times when we need to leave the armor at the door and say, I'm here with my friends tonight. Can we just, you know, be loyal friends where I'll guard your back, you guard mine. And you know what? If you're first, I'm going to be second to you because my love is to cheer on your run just as much as it helps me if people cheer me on in my run. Wouldn't that be a great culture among God's people? Let me finish with this verse. 1 John 3, 1 says this. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great, listen, is the love the Father has 
lavished on me, I'll take it personal, that I should be called his beloved child. How precious, how, was it, how great is the love the Father has lavished. Doesn't that make you a very whole person, free to give in relationships, rather than insecurely trying to find what you need from someone else? We went five minutes over. Thank you for your patience. Can we pray? Is that okay? I don't know where Tim and Sarah are gone. I feel completely bereft of my best friends, but you know, that's okay. Can we just pray for a minute? Would I stand up and, you know, I, could, could you stand up? Do you mind? Is that okay? I want to pray. I'm up for praying. Hmm. Does anybody else play the guitar? You sing. <laughs> That's okay. We're, we're all right, aren't we? We, we, we can handle it. Hmm. Sam, you're good on the guitar. He's gone. That's all right. I don't want him to hassle him. There's all these movements going around. All the guitarists running forward. Sam, thank you so much. Yay. Yeah. Okay. Please hear me first. I want to pray. I, I've tried to be honest a little bit to invite you to be honest a little bit so that Jesus can begin to rescue from many things that trouble you in the inner stream while things are going on in the normal life stream. Would you close your eyes for a minute, please? Do you mind doing that? I want to pray with your eyes closed for a minute. Hmm. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Just turn the light on where we need it. And Lord, we're inviting you, powerful Holy Spirit, to remove shadows of shame that lie inside us about who we think we are. As your eyes are closed, which they could just for a moment, just would you just put your hand up if you think you do have struggles with insecurities and shame and feelings of not being, just be honest like I've tried to be. Would you do that for me? Just raise your hand for me because you know what? I want to pray that will bust some of the shadows that keep swirling around your heart and spoiling who you've made to be. Oh my goodness. Okay, so uh, thank you. Put your hands down, can you? Um, hmm. Let's just invite Jesus. I don't know how to pray, but we'll just just take a few minutes to worship. I, I've got a feeling.